0: Before we get into today's episode, my wife, Sadie, and I have a brand new album out entitled Good to Me. As so many of our listeners know, I am completely blind. And in this season of blindness, these are the songs that strengthen and carry our faith. We wanna share this new project with you, and if you like what you hear, visit our website, awakenedtograce.com. Click the link called store, purchase some products, and it all goes to the spreading of the gospel. Here is a song from our album, Good To Me.
1: When it all don't go The way I plan When I work so hard still don't have when my best is just not good enough when the clouds turn dark and gray i know you've always made a way so i will look this storm in the eye i won't fail FOR YOU'RE ON MY SIDE MY FIRST HOPE, MY LAST WORD NOW AND FOREVER LET IT RAIN, LET IT POUR I WILL SING ALL YOU'VE EVER BEEN IS GOOD TO ME AND MY VERY WORST YOU sure I won't fear For you my side My first hope My last word Now and forever Let it rain Let it pour I will sing All you've ever been Is good to me you can't constant I won't fear, for you're on my side. My first heart, my last word, now and forever. Let it rain, let it pour, I will sing. Let it rain, let it pour, I will sing. All you've ever been is good.
0: Today on Awaken to Grace, we begin a brand new series entitled Good to Me. Today, we are in the Garden of Eden. We're in Genesis chapter 3. We're going to study the story of Adam and Eve and how the calamity of sin came to humanity. When Satan tempted Eve, this is essentially what Satan was saying. He told Eve, if God were good then why is he withholding something from you? That's the premise of his temptation. And you know, my friend, Satan uses the same playbook in our lives today. He tries to tell us, if God were good, then why are you suffering what you're suffering? If God were good, then why are you going through what you're facing? He uses the same temptation on us. Well, today we're going to answer the question, is God really good? So I'm glad you're with me today as we study God's Word out of Genesis chapter 3 on this episode of Awakened to Grace. Let's go to Genesis chapter 3. I'm also going to invite you to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. Today, 2 Corinthians 5, 21 will be the foundation of what I want to share out of Genesis 3. We will explore in detail the first seven verses of Genesis 3 and we'll highlight the rest of the chapter, but I want to ground our thinking today, the foundation of what we're going to say, is going to be primarily out of 2 Corinthians 5. For the next two weeks, as we introduce this new series entitled Good to Me, we're going to root ourselves out of the New Testament, but we're going to go back to the Old Testament to more so understand its meaning and its truth. Next week, Lord willing, we will be in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And we're going to see how our lives, if we are to know the good and perfect will of God for our life, then the Bible says that we must first be a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. That word acceptable is what I cannot get out of my heart and my spirit. So I've been going back and studying Genesis And next week we're gonna be in chapter four and we're gonna see why Cain's offering was rejected yet Abel's offering was accepted. And we're gonna see with clarity That Abel was accepted by God, Cain was rejected, and the same is true today in this New Testament, in this new covenant that you and I live. There are some who their sacrifice, their life, their intentions, their lifestyle is rejected by God, just as Cain was. And yet there are others who are accepted by God just as Abel was. And we're going to break down the difference in their sacrifice and how today you and I are to be a living sacrifice that is holy and acceptable before God. Well, now I'm way ahead of myself. That's next week. All that's free today. That's freebies. Let's go to Genesis 3 and 2 Corinthians 5, 21. Now, here's my point. You will never understand the significance between the sacrifice of Cain, which was produce, the best of his land, and the sacrifice of Abel, which was a blood sacrifice. You will miss the meaning of that. You won't understand the weightiness of it, until you understand what's going on in Genesis chapter 3. And what my premise today, what I want to show you today, is that when Adam and Eve had their catastrophic fall, when the calamity of sin entered into the world, into humanity, what was their first initial response? They clothed themselves with fig leaves. I wanna draw a very clear distinction today and I wanna show you that just like our ancestors, just like our original father and mother, Adam and Eve, when you and I feel the conviction of sin, when we realize our offense against God, when we realize that we are in need And what sin does to our life. You and I have the exact same tendency. We try to make for ourselves a covering. And for most people, it looks like good intentions. For many people, it looks like religion and religious rituals. Well, perhaps if I go to church, I'll be favored by God. Perhaps if I fast or if I read the Bible or if I become a better person, perhaps if I do good to others, if I try to be more kind, if I could just quit trying to cuss, if I could do this or if I could do that, then I would be accepted in God's eyes. Perhaps if I gave to charities or I did something for someone for Christmas or the holidays, I would be accepted. And friends, what you and I do is we sow for ourselves these fig leaves to cover ourselves and they're insufficient. And today I'm going to show you out of the word of God how after God pronounced such judgment on Adam and on Eve and on the serpent and even the ground and the world itself in God's grace and in God's incredible mercy, he closed them himself. And I'm going to show you today how you and I can be clothed today in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Everybody with me? Amen. All right, let's go. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 21. It says, "And he who knew no sin became sin so that, here's the reason, here's the conclusion, so that we might become the righteousness of God. Now, what we're gonna see today in Genesis chapter three, there are so many foundational truths to Christianity out of Genesis three. If you will carefully study Genesis three, what it will do is shape your worldview into a biblical worldview, and it answers so many questions. It truly is a foundational chapter in the Bible. So we must understand the reason Christ came was that he who knew no sin, who had never known any separation from the Father for all of eternity, will one day hanging on a cross feel that great separation and say, my God, my God, Why have you forsaken me? You know, it's the only time in the entire Bible that Jesus does not say father. Because for the first time in eternity, he was separated from his father. He who knew no sin became sin so that we, out of our nakedness, as we're gonna reach back and see in Genesis 3, because of our nakedness, because of our fig leaves, that we might be clothed in the righteousness of God. Genesis chapter three, let's begin in verse number one. Scripture says that the serpent was more subtle than any of the beast of the field that the Lord God had created. And he said to the woman, has God actually said, you shall not eat? Of any tree? Now, let's understand a couple of foundation things as we go forward in Genesis 3. If you're gonna take notes, let me share with you a bit of my perspective and you're welcome to agree or disagree, but I'll just share with you some of my perspective. I think when it comes to, the, when it comes to these scriptures of Genesis 2 and 3, at least for me, it is very hard to overcome the smallness of the images that I saw growing up in Sunday school. Anybody grow up in Sunday school with flannel graph boards? No, it wasn't a real church if you didn't have flannel graph. The Holy Spirit moved in flannel graphs, right? (laughs) And if you were like me, You grew up seeing these little images of this little garden of Eden and Adam and Eve hiding behind the trees, which scripture does say. But here's where I think it's difficult. The only thing you and I know, the only thing we know is a cursed world. I don't believe our minds can even imagine. I don't think we can even fathom what the garden of Eden really is was. You know, in chapter two, the Bible tells us the borders of the Garden of Eden. Let me tell you, it was massive. I don't know why, maybe just the images I grew up seeing, I picture the garden being this little, small, tranquil, cute place. No, it was massive. And, you know, it's interesting, the Garden of Eden, it says it was a planting of the Lord God. Imagine No thorns, no thistles, no sin, no evil, no corruptness. I mean, absolute state of perfection. And can you imagine the beauty of the Garden of Eden? And see, Scripture tells us it was located between the Tigris and the Euphrates River. Friends, that's the Middle East. And where is the world the richest in oil? In the Middle East. Why do you think it's the richest in that broken down vegetation? Because that's where the Garden of Eden was located. Have you ever stopped to think when you pump gas into your car, you may be pumping the Garden of Eden right into it? It was massive. But I don't think that it was necessarily what we envisioned. So when Scripture says that the serpent, now let's, let's follow me here. When the Scripture says that the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, that word subtle actually means wise, prudent, crafty. But I don't think that the serpent necessarily looked like serpents as we know them today. As a matter of fact, part of the curse. And scholars go back and forth on this. Did Satan embody a physical serpent like this? I mean, it could talk, which was crazy enough. Supernatural. I don't think it necessarily looked like what we would think today. Matter of fact, part of the curse on the serpent was what? That it would crawl on its belly for the rest of the days and eat of the dust of the ground. I don't, I, when Scripture says that Adam and Eve were naked... And when their eyes were opened after eating the fruit, it says that they were naked and they realized they were naked. Uh, you know, many scholars believe that they weren't like stark naked like you and I picture after the fall. What were they before the fall? Could it be that they were clothed in light? I tend to think so. I think perhaps they were clothed in the light of God. You know, it's interesting. The Bible says that God is the father Of light. And you know, of all the sciences, you know what the one thing that scientists cannot quite figure out? It's light. The speed of light has been measured since the 1600s. And did you know that the speed of light is increasingly slowing down in the universe? That's a huge problem for evolutionists who believe that things evolve to better. No, it's getting worse. And see, there are a handful of reasons why men would have lived hundreds and hundreds of years in this prehistoric early Genesis time. There's a handful of explanations as to why they would live for hundreds of years. Anybody remember Methuselah? I just wrote a devotional on Methuselah. It'll be out in a few weeks. Well, how long did Methuselah live? 969 years. How can you physically explain that? Well, they're so close to the original creation. Their DNA was so close to that of Adam and Eve, in this state of perfection. But you know, one explanation, as there are many oxygen of the earth, and uh, many, just many reasons as to why why they would have lived so long. But one possible reason, if you study how the speed of light is slowing down, could there be a link to the speed of light and how long humanity lives? There very well may be. And it would make sense that in the garden, they were clothed with light. That may be what they lost in losing that innocence when sin entered the world. So this serpent, here's my point. The serpent, I don't think was a serpent as you and I envision it today. I think this was far different and I think Adam and Eve were clothed with light and this serpent who is subtle, who is crafty, who is prudent, who is wise comes to Eve and note what he says to her. Has God actually said Do not eat of the trees of the Garden of Eden? And notice what she says. Well, we can eat of any tree of the Garden of Eden. Uh, Verse number three, but of the tree in the midst of the garden, we are not to eat of or touch lest we die. Now, if you've ever heard this text preach, you'll be quick to remember. She adds to what God says, correct? Correct. Satan twists what God says, she adds to it. Now, I'll be honest, I used to judge Eve a bit concerning that. And then this week, I realized, when you get to chapter 2, when God instructs Adam and says, you will not eat of this tree or you will die, that was before Eve was ever created, The more I think about it this week, it was Adam's responsibility to clearly communicate to his wife what God had said. You know what I think happened? I think Adam was a bit infatuated with her, and I think he had other stuff on his mind. Now, that's not a scholar's point of view. That's my point of view. And so she adds to God's word. He, she says, Well, not only can we not eat of it, we can't even touch it. And then he says, he says to the woman, verse 4, you shall not surely die. Verse 5, well, God knows if you eat it, you will know the difference between good and evil, and you will become as wise as God. Now, here's why I want to dive into this today. When you look at how Satan is tempting Eve, if you're going to take notes, I want you to note this because this this is the premise of Satan's temptation to Eve. This is the entire basis of what he's telling her. What he is telling Eve is that God is holding out on you. God is withholding something good from you. And let me tell you, my precious friends, that is the same lie. That is the same deception. That is the same corruption that he tries to bring into my life and your life today. Let's just get honest today. Have you ever prayed to God and asked for his help but felt like he was withholding it? Have you ever asked God to answer a prayer and you knew in your heart that in a moment God could intervene and yet it felt he held out on you? Have you ever prayed and been mightily disappointed with God? Have you ever believed with all of your heart and you knew that God could change things in one nano of a second, but yet God didn't and it felt as though God wasn't good? Let me tell you, if you're going to grow in your faith, if you're going to grow in the measure of Christ, if Christ is going to be formed inside of you, if you are going to mature in your faith as a believer, you have got to come to a place where you believe that God is good, even when it looks like he's not. You believe that God is good, even when things don't change, God is good. The temptation to Adam and Eve is the same temptation today. God is withholding from you. Friends, let me tell you, Psalms chapter 84, verse 11, it says, No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly before him. You have got to get it into your soul like cement. It has got to form in you that God is always good. If you enjoyed today's broadcast and would like to hear more great content, you can always download our free mobile app, Awaken to Grace, where you can request prayer, find sermons, articles, blogs, music, podcast, as well as support us financially. You can also visit either of our websites at www.preachingchristchurch.com or www.awakentograce.com for more information about our church or our resource ministry. Thank you for listening to Awaken to Grace.